Greetings, this is Pastor Stan Harvey of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. It is our hope that this message, whether it be a Sunday service or a midweek lesson, would be a blessing and a help to you in your spiritual journey. Stay connected with us on our website, posydney.com, or on our numerous social media platforms. Now to the service. Thank you for worshiping with us. God is so good. If you turn to your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47, we're going to continue on with Pastor's series and his vision for this year, which is. Which is. Amen. Deep and wide. And. Um, and he's been touching on the the progression of our walk and what we wish what we should be striving for and i'm just going to simply continue on with this series i'll just give honor to to pastor and i'm so thankful for this opportunity to be be able to bring forth the word of god ezekiel chapter 47 I'm just going to read verses 3 and 4. I'm not going to read the whole portion of Scripture, but um, if you're not sure where we're up to, then listen to Pastor's last sermons for the last three weeks. But Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 3 to 4, this is just an illustration. This paints a picture for us. It says, When the man went out to the east with the lion in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits and brought me through the waters and the water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 uh, and he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters and the waters came up to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through. The water came up to my waist. So last week, Pastor touched on being knee deep, which was around, no one was listening, submission, praise the Lord, and we're just going to continue on again with the series and going in waist deep. One more scripture, Ephesians 6, uh, verse 14, um, talking about the armor of God, I'm just going to focus on the first piece of equipment here, which is stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having your loins or your waist good about with truth. For the next few moments, I'm just going to preach on this thought uh, a waste of reproduction. A waste of reproduction if we have one. Um, one more time, would you put your Bibles down and lift up your voices with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your presence feel in this place once again Lord God we have a desire to come into your house and hear from your word to leave this place transformed Lord God closer to your image Lord I pray Lord Jesus that you would just speak into our hearts use me oh Lord God to, to bring forth your message Lord God with clarity I pray that every seed is, 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 is planted in, in good soil Lord God that it would manifest itself and bear good fruit that will give, bring you glory Lord Jesus we give you all the glory and all the honor this morning in Jesus mighty name we pray 
Amen. Amen. You may be seated. A waste of reproduction. That wasn't a grammatical error up there. That was a play on words, which we'll, which I will get to. But there is a standard fertility rate that is required in order for a culture or society to uh, sustain itself. See, the magic number appears to be 2.1. Each woman has to have an average of 2.1 children in order to meet the population's replacement level. See, the birth rate has been steadily declining since the 60s, where the average family uh, would have 3.5 babies, and the average age of a woman would give birth that would give birth was 24. Now the average age is 30 years old, and women are giving birth to an average of 1.6 children. In a lot of countries, that's even less, down to 1.3. It is believed that once a fertility rate gets down to 1.3, that it's irreversible. Some believe that a collapsing birth rate is the biggest danger our civilization face. Some countries have tried to implement incentives uh, to help their fertility rate, uh, to help lift their fertility rate, such as baby bonuses, uh, child tax credits, uh, expanded parental leave, and expanded subsidies for childcare. I think the, I don't know what the highest baby bonus, how, what's the highest amount, 4000 5000 once a year? $5,000 incentive to have a child. That'll be gone in a month. Despite these efforts, the fertility rate is still dropping around the world. See, places with the lowest birth rates are countries like Japan and Italy and Portugal. Countries with the highest fertility rates tend to be around Africa and the Middle East. There are many reasons to explain uh, the decline such as contraception and more earning opportunities for women. More women are going out into the workforce, ambitious, and maybe not choosing to have babies. But one of the main reasons is simply a financial one. Par parents factor in the cost of bringing in a child into this world. It is said that a child will cost you up to a million dollars from when they're born to when they're 18. I think they need to um, factor in inflation <laughs> with those numbers because it feels like a lot more. But this is somewhat ironic because if a low birth rate is attributed to financial concerns, the low, birth the low birth rate will cause economic pressure on society in the long run anyway. What this does is create an aging population with less people 
in the workforce to help support our elders. We simply have to look at China's one-child policy, which was introduced in 1980, but was only reversed in 2016 after realizing the unintended but still harmful consequences of their policy. Not only did they have an aging population and a shrinking workforce, they also had a disproportion of males to females because of the traditional preference of having sons. You know, who doesn't have an issue with low birth rates is Muslim nations. Some have a birth rate of 8.1 children per family. $8.1 million <laughs> that you would need to raise up a family that size. Either way, the principle of reproduction is absolutely vital in order to sustain and maintain the population. Amen? Again, we are continuing on with Pastor's series on this year's vision, Deep and Wide. The scripture that we read paints a picture for us. And even though we did not read it all, we obviously have been covering this for the last couple of weeks. Our walk with God is often broken up in stages. See, scripture likens our spiritual walk to our physical growth. In 1 Peter 2 and 2, it says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 and 2, And brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as uh, unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither ye now are ye able. So there is obviously this, this progression in, the spiritual, in our spiritual walk to go from milk, as we are babes in Christ, to meat. When you're a young lamb, a new convert, we feed you simple principles and concepts that are easy to digest, amen? And as you grow in Christ, that you should be progressing to heavier and more mature concepts, which the Bible refers to meat. And just as there are stages to our physical growth, there are stages to our spiritual growth as well. Again, the vision of Ezekiel describes a flow of water and how it started off as a trickle. A thousand cubits down the way, the water was ankle deep. Another thousand cubits further down, the water was knee deep. And again, last week, Pastor touched on submission. But I, this week, I challenge you to go even deeper. Amen. That you will take a step of faith at the very least and go in waist deep. You see, Ephesians 6 describes in detail the armor of God. Amen. And when you know every piece of equipment, you understand what each piece was designed to protect. Ephesians 6 talks about the helmet of salvation, which is supposed to protect our mind, the thoughts that are coming into our mind. Amen. 
That's why we're instructed to cast down every imagination and high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. It is clear what the helmet of salvation is meant to protect. We have the breastplate of righteousness, which is to protect our heart. Amen. We are instructed to shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Our footwear. Because we're not supposed to be confined to the four walls of this church, amen. But we are called to preach this gospel to the four corners of this world. We're supposed to be on the move. That's why Isaiah 57 and 2 says, Beautiful unto this mountain are the feet of those that bring good news. We have our shield of faith, which is our, for our defense and also be used for offense. And obviously we have an offensive weapon in the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. But then we are instructed to gird our loins with truth or our waist with truth. This is actually the first piece of equipment that is mentioned in Ephesians 6. What does this protect? Well, this symbolizes protecting your reproductive area with truth. And for the sake of this series, I will submit to you this morning that going in waist deep is the stage in our walk with God when we start to reproduce. Amen. We start to reproduce because truth is meant to be passed down. Amen. Truth is meant to be passed down. See, God had done many great miracles before the people of Israel. He saw their tears and he heard their cries as they were enslaved by the pharaohs of Egypt. And God brought forth plagues, plague after plague until until his people were released. God led his people miraculously through the Red Sea. He led them by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. The Lord rained down manna from heaven and even was gracious enough to give them quail when they complained. God quenched their thirst with a bubbler that he made out of a rock in the middle of a desert. But despite all this, Judges 2 and 10 says that there rose a generation who did not know the Lord and the work that he had done for Israel. God forbid that we raise up a generation that does not know the truth. Amen. God forbid that we raise up a generation that does not walk in the miraculous things of God. Amen. God forbid that we raise up a bunch of young people or we did not reach out and preach this gospel that we raise up people that do not know God. Yes, our music is fantastic. Yes, our fellowship is great. Yes, coming to Sunday service is fun. But do you know God this morning? Do you have a desire and a hunger to know more about God? And not only that, is that enough to motivate each and every one of us to go out into the world and reproduce, to pass this truth down, to teach our Bible study, to witness to that, to that, uh, that lost neighbor, to pray for that person? 
They may be going through a situation at work. Let us not raise up a generation that doesn't know God. If a generation arises and they don't know God, that onus, that's on us. Because we're not reproducing. We're not passing this truth down from generation to generation. Amen. Anyone that's ever sat in a Bible study that I've taught them, in life studies, if you've sat with me, anyone here? One thing I drill in them, Brother Peter, what do I drill? I said, I'm not teaching this Bible study so that you can warm a church pew. I'm not teaching this Bible study so that you can just be complacent coming to Sunday services. We teach Bible studies to equip you, to give you a foundation, to give you the tools that you need in order to go out into this world and reproduce. Amen. We're raising up soldiers for the kingdom of God. Going in waist deep will require you to get out of your comfort zone. See, I'm, I'm uncomfortable in any area that leads to open water. Trust me, I've been saved twice by lifeguards. I've had knee-death experiences. My life has flashed before my eyes numerous times. I was just sharing this story with some of the brothers the other day. One time when I was 18, I thought it was cool to jump off this cliff with some of my friends. And the cliff was in between Bronte Beach and Tamarama Beach. Now, when I put this in my notes, maybe to share this, I started reflecting what a fool I was. Because I can swim. But I wasn't like swimming fit. That cardio is different. When was the last time you saw an Islander in the Olympics for swimming? We're not built for swimming. It's a different type of cardio. Back in my playing days, all us Islanders used to say we couldn't swim. We could swim, but we weren't the best swimmers. You, we can run on the field all day, do cone hangers, Malcolms, but swim, pool session, you see us, all us Islanders in the corner with kickboards, pretending, oh, we can't, we can't swim. We avoided swimming. I realized that day real quick when I jumped off that cliff, yeah, I'm not the strongest swimmer. Crazy thing about that experience is that when I jumped in, I, find, I found myself in a shallow part of the water. It was only up to my knees. Next minute a wave came and I couldn't touch the ground. And what I felt like I was Grant Hackett swimming so fast in the water, I take one look up and realize I haven't even moved an inch. And my, I remember seeing my friends up in the, on the top of the cliff laughing. They thought I was joking when I was saying, save me. And they quickly realized, I'm about to die. So they called the lifeguards. 
But I know that happened so quickly. I know how quickly things can turn. And going waist deep may feel uncomfortable for some people because you're close enough to the shallow area where you can walk out, but you're also close enough to being vulnerable if you get quickly taken in the wrong direction. But we are called to go out waist deep, amen. Because it's only in that place where we will start to reproduce. We have been given a great commission, amen. We have been called to make disciples, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is the name of, amen. This has been given to each of us today. We have a responsibility to reproduce. We are called to reproduce. Amen. But how are, people, how are people supposed to know unless you reach and teach them? You reflect on the story of Cornelius. This was a man who had a hunger and a desire for God. His only issue was that he was a Gentile. Cornelius was part of a society that was considered unclean to the Jews. The Jews had no idea that God was extending the gospel out to the very people he instructed them to stay away from. Yet scripture describes Cornelius as a devout man. An angel of the Lord declared to Cornelius that his prayers and his arms had gone up as a memorial before God. I wonder if an angel, can an angel of the Lord say that about us? Cornelius was trying to honor God in Acts chapter 10 as best as he could. But he didn't have the whole revelation. He didn't have the whole revelation. The angel instructed Cornelius to send men to Joppa for Peter, which is about three days' journey. Why didn't the angel proclaim the gospel himself? That would have saved a lot of time, don't you think? Why didn't the angel of God just turn around and start preaching about, about Jesus? It's because it's given to us. That task... And the commission is given to us. That's our job. And don't forget how much it would have been of a struggle for Peter to go and preach to the people he was always taught to stay away from. This is a waist-deep moment for Peter. Reproduce or don't reproduce? Here's an opportunity for him. And because Peter stepped out, the Holy Ghost was poured out for the first time unto the Gentiles. Amen? We are Gentiles. 
And this is a waist-deep moment for Peter to get out of his comfort zone and preach to someone that he felt uncomfortable preaching to. How many times? I, I understand what it's like to preach the gospel. I know what it's like to reach out. You feel uncomfortable. I don't know what's my workmate going to say about me. What's my school, what's my school friend going to say about me? Yes, it is intimidating. But there is a Cornelius out there that is simply waiting for a Peter to step out of their comfort zone and preach the truth of this gospel. Who is the Cornelius in your life? Who are you a Peter to? See, discipleship is the only biblical model we have to grow the church. I thank God for these lights, for the instrument, for the technology that we have. I thank God for all the resources we have. But that's not what grows the church. That's not what grows the kingdom of God. Amen? It is discipleship. It is reproducing yourself. It is reaching out to the lost. All of this stuff is a blessing. He's great, and I thank God for it. But the only biblical model we have to grow is to reproduce. You just have to reflect on Jesus' last prayer. If we go to Jesus' last prayer, before he was arrested, he's in the garden. And oftentimes when you're facing death, you're focused on the more important things in your life. When you're facing death, you're not worried about your job or your car and all that stuff. You start to reflect on relationships. And I've seen this and I've, and I've, and I've, I've, I've had conversations with people who, who were dying of cancer and they didn't care about how much they were making. They didn't care about the house that they bought. They didn't care about any of that. They just reflected on relationships. And Jesus in his last prayer was a prayer for his disciples. Because Jesus himself had a, had a task and had a mission to pass down the truth. Amen. Because the truth is meant to be passed down. Again, I drill this with my Bible study students. We're called to be mobilized and an army for God. Amen. I speak against complacency this morning. I challenge each and every one of us to go waist deep. I know 2023 is often, when we're still beginning of February, we tend to set ourselves goals. Let this be a year where we reach out like we've never reached out before. The theme of this year is deep, deep in our relationship with God and wide. We're meant to reach out wide. Amen. I thank God we're part of a church that focuses on evangelism and discipleships. I thank God that we are a training church. Amen. A mentoring. I thank God. That's why we grow. But going waist deep, this is a challenge. 
to reach out to more people this year. Amen. Why don't we stand? I'm not going to take too long. I'm going to break out in a coughing fit soon. I'm going to ask the musicians, singers. Again, the theme of this year is deep and wide. A relationship with God, deep in our relationship with God, but wide in our reach to our families, our communities, our city, our nation, our world. And we can only do that if we're reproducing. Amen. You see, the required birth rate is 2.1 children per family in order to maintain a culture. This is just to sustain the population of 2.1 children. We often say, if only we reach one person each this year, Amen. Then we can double in a matter of months if we all just reach one person. And if you reach one person this year, that would be amazing. That's fantastic. But here's the challenge. Why set the bar so low? That's the bare minimum. Why do we have to set that bar so low? Again, I'm not dismissing if we reach one person this year. That's one soul that wasn't going to heaven, but now is going to heaven because you stepped out in faith and you witnessed to them and you taught them that Bible study and you invited them to church. And you prayed with them to get the Holy Ghost. You were there to witness when they were got baptized in Jesus' name. That is great. But instead of just reaching one person this year, what about I reach one family? One whole family. Husband, wife, five children. Why not? We can do that. Acts chapter 2, after the Holy Ghost was poured out on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that 3,000 were added to the church. 3,000 was added to the church in one moment. Who says you can't witness to that one person who happens to be a pastor, gets a revelation of the oneness of a God and brings his whole church to this truth? Why can't that happen? Why can't we expect God to do great things like that? Because He can. I want to go deeper. I want to go wider. I don't want to just do the bare minimum. If God only brings one person across my path, praise God. We're going to rejoice. why can't I bring multiple people from my workplaces to God this year? 
why can't I pick up the phone and ring that friend who I haven't spoken to in about 15 years and he's having a moment where he's been waiting for someone to pick up the phone before that. All it is is a, hey, how you been? Haven't heard from you in a while, man. How's life? And as they start to ask you questions, you start to open up and share your testimony. I'm sure a lot of us have a lot of good friends who we haven't spoken to And then there's friends that when you when you pick up the phone and you call them, you just you just talk as if as if you've been talking to them every week. You just have that kind of relationship with them. Waste deep. The title of this message was a waste of reproduction. We're supposed to go in waste deep. But if we don't do what God has called us to do, then it's a waste reproduction W-A-S-T-E it's a waste of reproduction if you don't heed to the calling of God maybe it's just that some of you have families maybe you can reach families invite a family over to your place and fellowship with them I know, I know this. I believe in my spirit that there are people in this place that want to do more for God. We want to do more for God. And today God is challenging each and every one of us to go deeper, wider, to go ways deep, to maybe witness to that person, witness to someone for the first time we've never witnessed to, or maybe step out in faith and teach that Bible study. Don't be fooled by thinking that some of us were just saved and the next day standing up here preaching. I remember my, well, I remember the progression. I remember it was just simply sharing a testimony that one time we asked to share for five minutes. But I prayed and I was trying to get a revelation just to share for that five minutes. And even though it was five minutes, I was trying to structure my lesson and that five minutes turned into 10 minutes, 10 minutes into 15, to 20. You think, a lot, a lot, uh, you might see us teaching Bible studies and you think, oh man, I could never do that. You think we, you think I thought I could do that? You think I thought I just can come to, come to the Lord and just be like, yeah, I'm, I'm a teacher, I'm called to be a teacher. Give me Bible studies, it's my second day. Ready to teach a Bible study. No, there was a progression. You know, when I was teaching my two children to drive, you know, I commend you. I take my hat off to you if you let your your children go straight out into the road. I wasn't doing that with my children. I took them to the car park. And maybe it was just my understanding of building upon the word of God when teaching young lambs I I literally break down every skill I was like braking accelerating steering indicating and I took them to a car park and I break down every skill 
understood it was muscle memory. Because when they went out in the road, I didn't want them to think about steering or braking or accelerating or anything like that. I want that to be muscle memory. I wanted them to start thinking about that truck they're nearly about to rear end. I wanted to think about dangers of the road. That's what I walk with God is. If you think it's overwhelming to maybe teach a Bible study, let's break it up. Maybe you can just sit in a Bible study. Assist. Start off by sharing your testimony and build upon that. Maybe when you go out in the street and outreach, instead of just saying whatever, prepare something, five minutes. Prepare, write something down. Write scriptures down. Write notes and thoughts down. Maybe turn that into 10 minutes next time. Who knows, if God's called you to ministry, you might be preaching one day. Whatever it is, we've got to start somewhere. A waste of reproduction. Let us be productive. Let it not be a waste of reproduction. But let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you've you've spoken to us, Lord God, this morning. And just challenged us, Lord God, to, to step out and to reach someone, Lord God, in our community. Heavenly Father, to witness to someone, to maybe get involved in Bible studies to open up our home to fellowship with our neighbours, whatever it may be, Lord. Let us go waist deep in our walk with you, Lord God. Let us be deliberate and conscious of reproducing, Lord God, to passing down this truth, not only to the young people or those that are new lambs in this church, but to to the whosoever will, Lord God, whoever you would call. Use us, O Lord God, in 2023, Heavenly Father, to go wider, to reach out wider in our community, Lord Jesus. Continue to open up doors, I pray, Lord God, that only you can open up. Help us to be that, to be a Peter, Lord Jesus, to that Cornelius, Lord Jesus. I pray that you may bring them across our paths, Lord Jesus. So we give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. I want to open up these altars. You want to spend some time with the Lord. Maybe come and seek the Lord for a burden. Is there someone in your community that you could call? Is there someone amongst your friends or family that you could just call this afternoon just to say hello? And who knows where that conversation could lead? Is there that one person that you know has a hunger for God but you're too embarrassed to invite him to church or to offer a Bible study? Maybe you feel you're not equipped. Come and seek the Lord. And he will guide you and lead you. If you need the gift of the Holy Ghost this morning, come and, come and spend some time with the Lord and we'd love to pray for you. We are called to reproduce this morning. We are called to go deeper and wider than ever.